following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College Football Week 10 edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, Brad Powers. In front of me, the bookmaker. We're under siege by a bookmaker, Matty Holt, over from the Dream Preview NFL edition. Ken Thompson to my left. Guys, we are so excited. A jam-packed week. More games than we've ever covered. Three best bets. Three sharp money plays. One double like. We got a crossfire where it's the two betters against the bookie. Well, I guess it's against the bookie and the VIG. It's two on two, I guess. We also have uh, Brad versus the world. In fact, let's start there. Before we do, listen, guys. It's hard to win at sports betting. And this is something I say all the time is there's a lot of outfits. Well, maybe not a lot. There's some outfits doing good information outside of pregame.com. No doubt about that. But here's how you can tell right away when you should run the other way is if someone says it's easy to win the difference between a drunk baby flipping a coin, which hits 50%. And a guy like a Steve Fezzik, who hasn't had a straight job this century because he's so good at betting, is one out of 20 games. Literally one out of 20 games, you're getting an extra point and a half. It falls that way, and boom, you get that extra win. That is the difference between 55 and 50. And the reality is when the difference between a drunk baby flipping coins and one of the best in the world. And in my opinion, Brad powers on the college football side is one of the best in the world. That is my opinion. Anyone that listens to this podcast cannot disagree with that, but here's the reality. Brad has had a tough run on his best bets and a lot of people or some people, a lot of people on Twitter are like, listen, Brad, he's losing some best bets, but that depth of knowledge because obviously he's giving you much more than that one game at the end. But that is the game he likes the best amongst the games we're talking about. Now up at pregame.com where he can, you know, we're talking about all the big TV games. He's picking from the whole card and obviously he's got the best bets that he sells. So Brad, I mean, one, it's important for us to acknowledge when someone's been called. But number two, I think what it's important to do and, and quickly, because we do have 16 games to go over today is how do you handle streaks like this? Because they're inevitable. Because the difference between winning and losing is so small, you're going to have times over 20 games, 30 games even, that you're going to be well below 500. Well, if you have a winning track record, you got to believe in the process. No different than uh, Nick Saban saying, trust the process. Uh, Or 76ers. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Not quite as good. Yeah, no, not quite as good there. But, you know, don't play catch up. I believe that, uh, you know, what has worked in the past should work in the future. Although don't be afraid to tweak some things. If you feel like you're missing some things, uh, you know, whether it be game specific or just handicapping specific, uh, don't be afraid to, to also tweak some things. And I think that's the balance is if you just say stay the course and that's where people get confused. And, and Maddie, 
you know, what I would like to do is benefit from a bookmaker. We'll go a little bit into the casino and talk about what you've seen behind the counter. Because let's be candid. You've been with CG Technology how long? 2010. So for many of those years, you guys were taking some of the biggest bets in the world. And by definition, a lot of those batters are some of the best batters in the world. Not always, right? Sometimes you have those celebrity batters. And they have inevitable losing streaks, too. What, In general, what have you seen from the best batters in the world when they do have those losing streaks? So I think there's a little bit of a misconception out there that nobody who bets a lot of games can ever be a sharp. And that's kind of what we see is sometimes when some of these sharper guys go on sort of a a staler run rather than increase their bet size because they can't because they're already betting the max per game anyway whether it's 50 100 200,000 per game they increase the volume a little bit because sometimes if you're that good if your numbers are that good you just spread out the amount of money you're wagering rather than trying to load up on one game yeah and and that's the trick i or or maybe not saying that as in exactly what you said but i think the trick is being humble enough to, to tweak as new information helps you see, oh, maybe that one approach, because that's what happens. You look at a guy like a Mark Lawrence, right? Uh, a, a renowned handicapper over the years. But if you look at a lot of, and I'm not saying Mark can't win today. I'm not judging his ability to win today. What I am saying is if you look back at, let's say, a 1995, and Ken, you have Mark on your show all the time, right? I do. If you look back on a 1995 playbook, and look at some of the, the rationale of how to win, it's very different 22 years later. Uh, but it, someone could have sat there and goes, hey, this, this uh, approach is 58% or, or 55, I'm gonna stick to it. No, you've gotta be humble enough to evolve, but also confident enough when you don't think something has changed to accept the randomness that's inevitable. And I'm guessing over the years that you've talked to Mark, uh, you, you've heard his approach to handicapping change. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, he's a he's still a trend guy. I mean, and Mark is somebody that follows the trends, and his database goes back, you know, into the 70s. And so, again, it's not saying you can you know, fundamentally change the way you ha- handicap at the core. It's like certain trends aren't working. Like the running game was so much more important back in 1995. Thus, if you have a stat that's really focusing on the running game, it might not be pertinent. To I that. agree. I mean, I'm not a trend guy, especially college sports where, you know, athletes are constantly graduating and, and names and faces are changing. And, you know, Brad, I think you've got an advantage, too, is you're relatively young. You know, when you're you're what, 33? Yep. When you ch- when's your birthday? I mean, Actually, I feel like no, I've been no, no, saying hold on, hold on. I feel like I've been saying you've been 33 for like two years. Yeah. When? Uh, October. Okay, so yeah. you forgot about that. Yeah, I did. It's the season. There's so, no time to celebrate. So what's funny is when you're 34, you feel oh, it's like, boy, I used to be, you know, I used to be 22. I remember how I was in college. I can promise you when you're 47 like me, you're going to wish you were 34. But being relatively young is an advantage, I think, because young people and, you know, Colin Cowherd talks about this. They are much more flexible. And, and, and I think that in general, if it's poker, if it's sports betting, oftentimes the guys old enough to have enough experience, but young enough to be flexible are, are have the best chance to, to really win pregame.com. Let's get straight to it. What a jam packed show. This is part one of Brad versus the world. He does his power ratings. And by the way, those power ratings are going to be compared now to the playoff committees. 
And that's going to be interesting, too, to see Vegas's opinion versus the playoff committee as the first rankings of the committee come out this week. And this is you against Ken. Stanford, Washington State. Washington State at home favored by two and a half. Ken, you disagree with one of these teams in Brad's power ratings. I do. You know, Washington State, I mean, I'm not going to nitpick, but I had him down several spaces uh, below 21 is where I think Brad had so him. So you, you think Brad has Washington State overrated? Too high. And, again, this team's done all their uh, work at home, and they got the one win against USC on the Friday night game when they played a banged-up USC team. Other than that, team can't even compete away from home outside of the one win they had at Eugene where they went against a third-string quarterback in his first start ever. So that's the only – the other two games, they got blown out badly. All right, so, Brad, you've passed this game. So quick response about Washington State specifically. And here's my question. Where do you think you've got Washington State relative, let's say, the AP? So is it Ken that's out on an island against consensus, or is it, are you out on the island? I'm more out on the island. Not significantly, but I have them a little bit higher than everyone else. And I, why? And the reason is I think they got a couple of misleading games that are bringing them down. They're two losses. They had seven turnovers against Cal, and they get blown out in that game. And even last week, uh, I liked Washington State. Everyone else in the entire market was against me. But that was a game they had 650 yards of offense, and again, the turnovers killed them. So maybe i got to take in the – now we've seen two games here recently. Maybe they are becoming turnover-prone. I like to look at it. I looked at the other six games of the schedule. They weren't turning over. I'll use that bigger sample size. I'm going to stick to my guns. And, and, on and five State. of those games were at home, RJ. That's what I'm saying. On the road, you have two games at Cal, at Arizona, where they turned it over 11 times. So here's what's fascinating. We allow the boys one pass for the entire card we're going to cover. Brad passed this game and Ken passed this game. We got Matty Holto, the bookmaker, the dastardly my favorite bookmaker amongst a, a very questionable group, Washington State, Stanford, Washington State at home, two and a half, leaner like. Well, I agree that Washington State probably is a little bit overrated uh, in Brad's power ratings. They have one of the biggest home versus away splits that there is in college football. This is a really strong home team, has been under, uh, under Mike Leach. Maybe they got lucky on that Friday night. They got a little bit of help by the refs, but they still beat an undefeated USC team at home. And they went undefeated at home starting the season 5-0. and Yes, they've been less than effective on the road, but this team historically, not just this year, has had big home split variants under Mike Leach. And the most important factor in this game is Bryce Love. The Heisman front runner two weeks ago all of a sudden didn't play against Oregon. Stanford has to get a miracle just to win that game outright as a three-touchdown favorite. We don't know if he's healthy yet. With that many question marks, I'm definitely leaning Wash State. So he's expected to play, though? He's not expected to he's play. Not, he's questionable. Okay, questionable. Brad, time to do it. Hey, we gave the Mia Culpa here, right? Is on with Colin Cowherd in the preseason is he asked you for a Heisman long shot. Who'd you give? Uh, Bryce Love. On offense, <laughs> 101. And right now, obviously, it looks like, you know, that's the thing, right? When you have 101, now what was his best or high point, I guess you'd say, uh, this year? Wow, it was like down to four to one, RJ. Yeah. Plus it, 250. Oh, wow, plus 250. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, wow. So Two weeks ago. He when was you have 100 choice, to one, yeah. and it, 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 this game can break your heart, I'll tell you that much. Speaking of games, number two, Brad versus the world, Texas, TCU. TCU's at home, favored by seven. Mr. Holt, you actually think Texas is overrated 
and Brad's power rating. I do. We have him in the bottom of the 20s here, and this is a team who brought in Tom Hervin to rebuild the offense. We knew the defense was already good. In fact, you could make a case that it was better under Charlie Strong, although the results have been slightly better this year actually on the field. But the offense hasn't gotten that much better under Tom Herman. This is supposed to be an offensive guru coming from Houston. The numbers haven't jumped off the board. They have quarterback issues. They keep flipping between Bouchelle uh, and Ellinger for, for reasons because of injury and performance based on the field. Uh, and this is a TCU team that while they lost on the road at Iowa State last week, getting their first loss actually dominated the stats in this game. We have what we call a box score final predictor that we use for fraud prevention and game integrity purposes. And that that thing had uh, TCU winning this game 31 to 20. They just didn't get enough scoring because although they floundered all those red zone opportunities, I actually think TCU is the right spot here. Now, remember, Brad, you can say I agree and I'm reevaluating if you want. We love it when that happens. I'll agree that the TCU game was a little fraudulent because that was my best bet on this podcast <laughs> last week. But no, I'm standing pat here with Texas and I am throwing the opening game. I'm not even considering it in my power rings. The upset loss to Maryland, because since then you look at the body of work of this team, their three losses, double overtime against USC on the road with a true freshman quarterback lost by five to a top 10 Oklahoma team and lost in overtime in a game they kind of blew against Oklahoma state. Another maybe legit top 10 team. To me, this is a, you know, easily a top 20 team, borderline top 15 team. That's continually, in my opinion, getting better on both sides of the ball. The quarterback thing is an issue for me a little bit, but I think it's more, you got a true freshman. You got a guy that's experienced either way. They're getting some production that they won a football game and covered by three touchdowns last week with, uh, uh, Bouchella quarterback. Cincinnati, uh, Texas feels like Cincinnati to me, who we talked about last week on the Dream Prod NFL, where Cincinnati's getting all this love. They're laying 11. I couldn't figure out a why. I was on an island all by myself. We love to say Bengals. We love the players in the running game. Would anyone of us want to lay 11 with Cincinnati? Of course, and they shouldn't have even won the game last week. Texas reminds me of that. We all want to believe in Tom Herman. We all want to believe in a couple of good up spots they played. But at the end of the day, this team doesn't win games against anybody who's good. Yeah, but we also, I'm going to go the other way. We also want to believe in Kenny Hill. And Kenny Hill has never really won big games in his career. And I think TCU, Gary Patterson, as good a coach as he is, I never really felt like they were in control in Ames, Iowa last week. Even though the yardage, you know, you just never really felt like they were the better team and that they were going to cover seven points, that they were going to win that game by double digits. You just never felt that. And I just think this TCU team is based on reputation. And Patterson, he's done a great job. And again, coming off a losing year or a year where he's 500, he has bounced back with years where he's gone undefeated and then had one loss the following year. And I think we put too much into that. Herman, to me, is a winner. And this team, at the beginning of the year when they played Maryland, did not know how good the freshman quarterback Ellinger was. He showed his moxie against USC in that double OT loss. Ken Thompson, lean on Texas. Brad, you've got to lean on Texas. You responded to your thoughts about Texas being as good as you think they are. Uh, give me your number one handicapping factor on this game. Well, I, as far as I think Texas's defense is much better than, than what people are getting credit for. I mean, and everyone, again, remembers the. 15. So this isn't a matchup handicap. This is just you think Texas is underrated and thus they, there's value. They've been underrated in the marketplace since the opener game, opening game. They, they've covered every single game. They had one push and they've covered six straight and they continue to be because they lose the games outright. They, they get still some value. They, they cover as a dog, don't win outright. So the market adjusts a little bit, but not enough, in my opinion. All right, Maddie, you are the one with a like on this game. You're going the other way here. You like TCU. You've talked about thinking Texas isn't as good. Anything else in the game? 
So I, I know that a lot of the same people that use that yards per play is a big, you know, measure. that's me in the NFL, by the way. I'm with you. As a big measuring stick in the NFL, they don't like to use it in college, but historically, because of strength of schedule, sure. But when you start taking out all D two teams, and if you just go Power Five teams versus Power Five teams, this TCU's yards per play allowed on defense has been amazing this year. And the fact that this line is under amazingly good, a good, a good yeah, they have a really strong defense in yards per play allowed. I mean, this team went on the road and beat Oklahoma State by double digits. This is a good football team with an erratic quarterback when they have to throw the ball. They're not going to have to throw the ball here. I think they're going to be able to run just like Maryland ran all over Texas. We can make excuses and start picking and choosing and saying, I want to throw this game out. I'm not going to throw that game out. It was against another <laughs> power five team and they got run. Are all you over. bashing on Fezzik and he's not here? That's right. I'm He's the master at that. <laughs> I will say this, though, that they struggled with West Virginia at home, only beat them by a touchdown. Now you're going to lay a touchdown to Texas, who's got a much better defense than West Virginia. All right, guys. So one person with a like on this game, it's Mr. Holt. He likes TCU. Two leans on Texas. By the way, the third Brad versus the world is the Associated Press, but that's actually in Brad's best bet at the end of the show. Next game, this is one of our two public pounders. What does it mean? The public's going hog wild on one of these teams. Clemson favored by seven, seven, seven and a half at some spots at NC State. Over 90% of the tickets, over 90% of the cash on Clemson. Also, based on Matty Holt's Expert insight behind the counter at CG Technology. Clemson also a sharp play. So the public on Clemson, the pros on Clemson. That one's interesting. Let's start with Brad Powers. You're like, I'm leaning the other side. I I lean with NC State here, and I don't think there's going to be any intimidation factor here going up against Clemson. This was an NC State team last year that went on the road to Clemson, should have won the game outright, missed a chip shot field goal that would have sent Clemson home, not winning the national title uh, at season's end. I just think NC State, this is their game where if they win, they would be in complete control in the ACC. I think it's a major revenge spot and a game where they believe that they can compete and win outright against Clemson. So motivation is max for both these teams. I definitely for NC State, Clemson. I mean, Clemson has to win out to. Yeah, absolutely. I would say. <laughs> I know you like a, NC but State, but when you have when you I have the playoffs, it's a, plus, it's a. So if they lose this game, they're out of the playoffs and they don't control their destiny in their conference. Seems exactly. like an important yeah. game. Oh, it's a very important game. I mean, right now, NC State's unblemished. They're undefeated on the same half, the Atlantic half of the ACC. Clemson's behind them. Clemson hasn't been behind anybody in ACC play in a long time. And so when you look at this game, to me, Ryan Finley's going to bounce back. Yes, he is at home. Hines is banged up, so that's a little concern there. But again, the defensive front line for NC State is going to put pressure on Bryant. The quarterback will find out how good that ankle is because in the rain against Georgia Tech, what did Bryant do? Came out throwing the ball right away. Didn't even try to run. He ran a little bit later after they softened things up and that game was in the bag. I think this game's going to be an outstanding game. I looked at the total to go under, but I really like NC State at home and I'm glad I got the hook. Seven and a half. All right, so you like. We got like, lean yes, NC State, like I from played 10. NC State plus seven and a half. All right, Matty Holt, you have the total in this game, and it's the one total you're allowed to pick amongst all the games. And I was kind of on the same page as Ken. I wanted to take the seven and a half in this game for a lot of the reasons he just said. I feel like I can dismiss a little bit in my mind the Notre Dame game because I know that NC State was pinpointing to this game right here in this spot at home with the ACC 
their half of the ACC title on the line. So I, I totally understand that. But I ended up leaning to the over because I thought this total being over 50 was a little high. The one thing NC State normally does, at least going into last week, prior to last week, is they shut down the run. They were really strong run defense. We know Clemson so, had a So score. just to be clear, you have the over or the under? under. Okay, I think you said over. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, under in this game. Because your handicap is all about the under. So under 51, go. Yeah, so so I think they're going to shut down. Look, Clemson's real offense is predicated on the run. They have a running quarterback, a great running game, a great offensive line. I think both teams here are actually really sound at shutting down the run. That's going to put a little extra pressure on Ryan Finley, especially with Hines, their top, their leading rusher for the Wolfpack herd in this game. And look, the, the NC State offensive injury report has continued to grow now for three straight weeks. This feels like a smash mouth in the trenches game for me. I don't think they get over 50. Now, is this correlated? If someone says Ken likes NC State, the bookmaker likes the under, we got a dog seven and a half, we got under 51, correlation? Not really. I mean, obviously not mathematically. Sure, yeah, the, the standard correlation st- is three and a half X the yeah, spread. But I'm yeah. saying is if NC State covers, do you feel like the odds of the under are over 54%? Yeah, I think it's close. So maybe not close. quite 54, but it's getting there. So for those that like to play parlays, most of the time we're going to tell you parlays, you just end up paying more juice for the chance to bet a little to win a lot. But even when there are close correlation, if you love the parlays, why not? Next yeah. game, our second public pounder. And also a sharp game, too. And by the way, we got three sharp games at the end of the show before the best bets and the one double like. Penn State. Minus seven and a half at Michigan State. And right now, 94% of the cash, 94% of the tickets, Penn State and sharp money on Penn State. Ken, you actually like this game. Yeah, I do like it. And I actually laid seven and I laid minus 120. And, you know, it's a, so Penn State's the like it, Right. And it's up to seven and a half now. So that's an important half point. And I figured this line will continue to go up. Uh, look, Penn State's just got to forget about the Ohio State game. They had a shot. They blew it right now. You, I feel they still can get in without getting to the Big Ten championship game the way Ohio State did a couple years ago. And what do they have to do? They have to win out and they have to win out convincingly. They have to be refocused. They have to go into Michigan State, a team that does not put up a lot of points, plays good, solid defense at home. But Penn State, McSorley and Barkley should be able to generate enough offense. Use Kosicki and Hamilton and rely on your defense to shut down Lewerke. Uh, Lewerke and, so, uh, Ken, yeah. when you say... Penn State has got to get past it. They got. They have to. I mean, do you have any sense? Obviously, that's a key part of the handicap. Do you have any sense why they would more than a typical team? Because James Franklin's a good, solid coach, and he's going to look at it and say, look, we lost at Columbus by one point. We led the entire game. Okay, Ohio State made a miraculous comeback. Barrett played the best game of his career, and Ohio State won the game. But Ohio State was a seven-point favorite in that game, never came close to covering. You never felt you were going to cover if you had Ohio State. So you think Penn State's going to say, hey, we covered? <laughs> no, they're going to say we were in control of this game. The whole but doesn't way, from the way make it worse? They ran back. Doesn't it in a way make it worse? If they got beat by 30, there's nothing to lament. No, at the end, right, and then they're out of the playoff with the one loss. The real question here is, is what's Penn State's mentality now? And I think the way they bounce back from this game is the real question. Brad, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, I, I agree with Ken in that regard. I mean, they're going to be looking for style points, and they have a past history with a head coach that's not afraid to run up style points. Now, also, the reason why I lean with Penn State, I am not a believer in Michigan State, especially off five one-possession games. How much does a very young team have left in the tank? And a lot of those games were misleading as far as in their favor. You look at the five turnovers plus five against Michigan, a game that they covered against Indiana that I liked them. They scored two touchdowns in the last five minutes. Michigan State overrated, Penn State motivated for style points, lean on the Nittany Lions. But here's the one the one caveat there. If Penn State outgains them by 300 yards like they did Iowa Kinnick Stadium and only wins by a point on the last play of the game or two points in that in that case, I mean, they've got to cash in. You've got to get there and you've got to put up the yardage, but you've also got to score the points. And they had trouble doing that at Iowa, so there's still a little bit of hesitancy there. But it's a game that now their back's against the wall like Ohio State's back was against the wall because of their loss to Oklahoma, and I think you get the best Penn State product this week. All right, so we have like, I don't know if you could tell, Penn State from Ken. <laughs> we got a lean from Brad. Maddie, I'm not, when you were not respecting the host, I'm not sure if I cut you off on anything really good. Uh, wh- what's, your, uh, what's your take on this game? Uh, I lean Michigan State here. I ended up taking the seven and a half. You know, gun to my head. I don't really have a strong opinion, but I lean Michigan State in this spot. Uh, I think it's hard to bounce back Why? sometimes Why? in 9 oh, a.m. kickoffs. Ah, so, we, you know, and look, Brad wanted to say, hey, I think that Michigan State's got lucky in a lot of close games. Well, A, they played a lot of close games of really good teams, but they just lost one last week to Northwestern in a game you could argue that they should have won, too. So I think the close games aspect evens out. I think this is a team that has exceeded expectations all year. We all thought it was going to be a two-year rebuild. They've rebuilt a little bit quicker than a lot of people thought. Which team are we talking about? Michigan State. Okay. I mean, everyone thought they were going to be way down still this year. I think they exceeded expectations thus far, have played people tough. It's a tough place to go play with a great defensive-minded coach, and the 9 a.m. start tends not to help the more explosive teams sometimes. 9 a.m. where? Well, our time, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. For, for us, but they're in noon. Michigan, and both yeah, are East Coast teams. Well, noon's the earliest game. That early you can start. I mean, the early they're start. They're both, they both played at 1230 Pacific last week, the same exact time. They're both playing at 9 a.m. Pacific. There's no advantage. They both come off tough losses that they thought they should have won. Yeah, but you, we can't compare the Michigan State loss to the Penn State loss emotionally, can we? Well, it takes Michigan State totally out of the picture. I think they were out of the picture when the no, season No, they only started, had one they? loss. Yeah. Well, but I, I think maybe the Michigan State's a, a bigger loss than I would have thought, but but certainly not. Penn State would have been on their way to the you know the the playoffs, right? right. So, real quick, kind of, we still can be RJ if they kinda, run the table. No, they can oh, be in the playoffs. I playoff. agree. I would love to see it too. I mean, you know, to some degree. I mean, I see people on Twitter like because of what happened, you know, with the 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 sexual, you know, the Paterno stuff and all the other stuff. It's like there seems to be hate. Some people hate this team still. And, you know, I can't judge that. But as a, you know, as a pedigreed program that Ohio or that Penn State is, you know, it's good to see the, the pedigreed programs doing well. So um, especially if you're kids that were part of that program that had nothing to do with anything that happened. You know, it's kind of good to see them doing well. You know, I, I think a little humility the Buckeyes taught them probably how, you know, it's, it's good in life. Brad or <laughs> Maddie, you made one point I didn't quite understand. So I, I understand if you're kind of questionable about motivation, maybe that early start, like you're not really getting going. But you said I, I don't agree piece. with everybody else that, hey, coming off. Look, but, and but, I but respect my everyone's was, opinion, but, but I don't 
agree with the opinion that coming off the one-point loss, we're all rah-rah, and yeah, look how close we came to winning. I've seen no, just as many that. cases in the past, and I'm not disagreeing that maybe that's what they're going to be like, but I have seen just as many cases in the past where that loss is demoralizing. We had that game in the bag. We had a national championship right in our grasp, and we blew no, it. No, I agree. I, I lean more your way And on now, that. not only do we blow it, but we got to go across... We got to go back on the road, play a team that is exceeding expectations, period, and start the early game. Not a big night game with a rah-rah crowd. The noon start when people aren't even drunk yet. The fans are still sober eating breakfast burritos on the way to the game. So, And that's my question. Last thing on this game we're moving on is that noon start, I get the idea of a team with questionable motivation if they're sluggish or low gear or whatever. But you said something about the more powerful team. What, what was that about? So a lot of times, more powerful teams in this case. So the better team. Yeah, the more powerful explosive offense. In this case, obviously, Penn State, you know, McSorley, the dynamic offense with running backs and receivers going on the road after a devastating loss in the earliest possible okay. start. So it's tied to the devastating loss. Sluggish. Okay. All right. Now, wow. Intense debate. Intense. All right. Next game. I haven't. I've been threatening to cut mics. First time I had to. Huge line move in this game. Auburn, 10.5 point opened, up to 15. So 15 at Texas A&M. Mr. Holt, you're the one that has a like on this game. I lean A&M in this spot, and to me this is a... Oh, well, you actually had like A&M. Uh, I like A&M. All right, so in between. Sure. In between. All right. And this is that big classic look-ahead spot where you have Auburn here suddenly has a path to a national championship. And people say, well, what do you mean you have two losses? How do they have a path? Well, obviously, if they were to, to beat Alabama to go to the SEC championship game, they'd still beat Alabama. They'd still beat Georgia. They'd knock off a couple on the road, uh, probably meaning that they got there, right? Because they'd beat Georgia twice. They'd have to beat Georgia next week, beat them again in the SEC championship game. Two wins over Georgia and a win over Alabama knocks out some other teams. That's how you maybe sneak back in the back door. But that is a monstrous game next week. And the one thing Texas A&M has done every time they're in a big national TV spot is play up. They should have beat UCLA. They got out to a huge start against them in the national TV spot. They gave Alabama the toughest game of the year so far. Where this Texas A&M team has failed this year is when they're supposed to win football games. They're terrible. But when they're not supposed to, they really play big up games. This line's gotten a little bit inflated now on the Auburn, on the road, in the look-ahead spot with Georgia coming to town next week. I'm taking more than two touchdowns with the Aggies. All right, A&M plus 15. Interesting idea because people forget it was 10 years ago. I think if my math is right, LSU got into the BCS with two losses. And who did they lose to? No, we met them. They won. They oh, won. they did. They beat the Buckeyes. That's what I meant to say. Now, listen, that's it. Wait, you <laughs> can't, as you make the national title game a bunch, you can't win them all, all right. right? You can't yeah. win them all. Bowling Green, though, yeah. they have zero national titles. <laughs> Ken Thompson, you actually lean towards... I lean towards Auburn in this game, and the reason being is that I was on the A&M bandwagon. I had them against Alabama, a nice cover. They played with a lot of heart, but the wheels fell off last week, and they were only one-point dogs, and I looked at it, and I said, wait, Mississippi State's not the best road team. They're pretty good in Starkville. I'm going to take a shot at A&M. Never in the ball game. Physically beat down. Mond was there. Starkle, their starting quarterback that started that UCLA game, he came in. 
still threw a 90-yard pick six the other way. I mean, to me, A&M right now is just showing that they're not physical enough to hang with teams like Mississippi State, and I don't think they're going to hang with Auburn. Now, the line's moved too much that I'm not going to play it, but if you put a gun to my head, I could only take Auburn because I'm not sold on Kellen Mond being that quarterback, and I don't know what Starkle's got because he's missed so much time. Good stuff from Ken, Lean, Auburn, Brad. Lean Texas A&M. I'm going to fade the big line move here. Anything above two touchdowns, I lean with the Aggies. You mentioned the turnovers last week. I think that kind of made it a little bit of a misleading game against Mississippi State. You mentioned the 90-yard interception return. Three turnovers for A&M, three touchdowns for Mississippi State. To me, it was more like a game that Mississippi State should have won, seven to ten points, not by 21. And I agree with Maddie as far as the big look at spot for Auburn. I don't know how motivated they're going to be in the third, late third, fourth quarter to really put one on A&M here. Good energy. RJ, you know what the last thing, though? Because Auburn does have a have two losses. Style points really matter because they can get in. They close with Alabama. They play Georgia before that, and they would get a shot at Georgia again in the SEC championship game. They could literally be three top two teams, you know, in succession and get themselves into the playoff. Yeah, but here's the question about style points. Is it a situation that if you're only laying 15 and, you know, only, but like, there's no situation that you wouldn't want to score up. I mean, I guess if it's kick a field goal, you know, with 30 seconds left, maybe if you're at 14, but to me, it doesn't style points mean a lot more when you've got a 24 or or bigger where you're choosing the game's out of reach, but you're choosing to to pour. I don't think Auburn is a national championship contender. At some point, we just laid out the path for them to get there, but that also includes a lot of teams falling apart and things breaking down. What they are is they still have a chance to win an sec championship. And that means something. And what do they have to do to do that? A, they have to do two things beat Georgia at home next week and then beat Alabama in their regular season finale. But that Alabama game doesn't mean anything if they don't beat Georgia next week. So their biggest game of the season right now is next week. How can this not be a look? Because if they lose this game next week, doesn't mean Jack because they're out of it already. All right, guys, that is Ken Thompson with the passion. Maddie Holt, the bookmaker sitting in. Brad Powers, I'm R.J. Bell. We're going to stick with Brad here next game. LSU, Alabama. This is our super trend game. Bama at home favored by, wait, LSU, Alabama, 21. Yeah, largest underdog role in any game. For LSU, you got to go all the way back to 1994 where they were a significant favorite against the number one Florida team. As far as this series, go back to 93 the last time they were getting this many points. I only mention it because in that game, in a big rivalry game, where you get a, a you know, an outlier as far as a big dog. They won that game outright as a 24-point underdog, and I think you get a very motivated and better LSU team, at least from what we've seen prior to the bye. Three straight wins for them. They're going to be at least confident, and they should be confident because even last year, I think people forget, they see maybe 10 nothing Alabama covered that game. That was 0-0 entering the fourth quarter, so I don't think LSU is going to be completely outclassed, not like a typical three-touchdown underdog as far as their mindset goes. All right, so you lean LSU. Question open. Whoever has the opinion on this can jump in. We talked about Saban. Sometimes he pours it on. Sometimes he doesn't. It feels like LSU is so competitive with them, even if they aren't. uh, When I say so competitive, I mean over the years. Does Saban really turn the knife if he gets a chance here? Or does he respect such a storied program that's having a down year? No, he puts it on him. And I don't know if he intentionally does this. I've been mentioning this several times. They have a backup quarterback that might be the best backup Alabama. quarterback in the country, Alabama. And if he goes in there, they're still running the same offense. In fact, he might even be a better passer 
And I'm talking uh, Tui Tunga Viola. I want to mention the name. Might be a better passer. I call him Double T. Yeah. He might be a better passer than Jalen Hurts. So it's not so much Saban, you know, going conservative. It's just the the full play box still there when when they put the backup in. All right, Ken, lean or like in this game? I leaned LSU just because I thought it was actually 21 and a half. I thought it was too many points down to 21. Uh, Again, it's an LSU offense that's inconsistent, waiting for bigger things from Geis and Williams. Again, Geis has to be healthy. Uh, For Bama, again, they just run the ball. They run it well. Damian Harris having a great year, so Scarborough. But again, the schedule, when you look at it for Bama, they really haven't played anyone outside of Florida State that we thought was going to be all that at the beginning of the year. And maybe they would have been with Francois quarterback, but they're not now. So a little luster's worn off that. But I think it's just too many points in this rivalry. You talked about correlated parlays earlier. Bam, here's one here. Alabama laying 21. This one absolutely correlated to LSU in the under Alabama in the over if you're going to play it. Seven and one, the under. Last eight times these two teams have played. You tell me that this is supposed to be a low-scoring game. Points become an even bigger premium. Got to lean toward the Bayou Bengals. And what's the latest total you saw? I think it was... uh, I don't have it in front 48 and a half. Yeah, I thought it was 49, actually. I just didn't want to make sure I was right. All right, guys. So, so a massive correlated. Our, the correlation, you know, distinguishment for a bookmaker is three and a half X. In this case, we barely get over two X, the spread to the total. I mean, this is a correlated parlay. You'd be, you won't be able to put any substantial money on a, a parlay of this game. Three lanes, three lanes, triple lane LSU. We got a double light coming up next game. This is a quarterback game, meaning if you figure out the quarterback handicap, you've figured out the game is our assessment. It's Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan at home, favored by 15 and a half. And I'm going to go with the positive as far as in Michigan's favor with their new quarterback, the redshirt freshman Brandon Peters. As I saw him coming into the game last week against Rutgers, they were struggling early once again with O'Korn. What happens the first three drives of the game? You could sense, you know, an uplifting not only in the stadium from the teammates. They get three straight touchdowns. So I'm going to say that carries over for at least one more week here. And he's got a little bit uh, as far. He's more of the pro, prototypical Jim Harbaugh style quarterback. He's got great height, more pro style. O'Corn's not. So I think he fits the offense a little bit better. I think you still get an upgrade at quarterback here. Market's not quite accounting for it. Lean Michigan minus the points. Lean Michigan from Brad. Kent. Yeah, I'll lean Minnesota. And basically, again, that Michigan defense, yes, they're pretty good. They gave up 14 to Rutgers. If I can get that from Minnesota, Minnesota's got a pretty good defense and a solid running game with Brooks and Smith and McCrary. All three of these guys can step up. Again, Minnesota, to me, they should just run wildcat every play because there's no sense throwing the football. They don't do it very well outside of Johnson, decent receiver. But again, I like the upgrade uh, with the youngster going. And again, it was element of surprise with Harbaugh making the move to Peters. But you saw the freshman in him or the redshirt freshman in him on that last pass when they could have covered the game. He short-armed it by about 12 yards to a wide-open receiver that could have covered the game. All right, so we got lean Minnesota from Ken, lean Michigan from Brad, tiebreaker Mr. Holt. I'm going to lean Michigan. I don't, I'm not sure there's been any more disappointing team in the entire Big Ten than the Minnesota Gophers here. This is a team when they hired P.J. Fleck, they were, this was supposed to be the year they compete for a Big Ten title or at least put somewhat of a good effort some forth. They've lost three out of their last four games in the Big Ten, all in ugly fashion. The only win over lowly Illinois. This is a team that couldn't beat Maryland when they were down to their backup third-string quarterback at home. Uh, everything about Minnesota has been disappointing to me this year and P.J. Flex first year there. And sometimes it takes a team a year or so to transition to a new coach, regardless of how good that coach is. I think Michigan, this one could get ugly. And we would have to think if Harbaugh has a chance to make a statement, he, 
the frustrations he's going to want to make one, right? Yeah, you would th- think so last week, and they couldn't get it done. No. Yeah, and I'm not no. saying that they're necessarily going to be able to, but yeah. if he has the chance. Oh, absolutely. He's definitely a coach that's not afraid to run it up. Next game. This is our injury game, meaning the handicap on the injuries drives the game handicap. We've got Indiana at home, a 12-point underdog hosting Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by 12. Can you actually like this game? I do. I like and because I've liked Indiana's quarterback from the get-go and Richard Legow, and I'm hoping he gets the start. Look, I have nothing against Ramsey. Ramsey runs it better, but Legow to me is that pro-style quarterback. He stands fat in the pocket, and he, and he finds receivers. And when you have a couple receivers uh, like Timian and Cobbs, again, guys that Cobbs for sure will play at the next level, you've got to have someone that can put the ball on the money. And Peyton Ramsey doesn't do that consistently. Uh, I, I really like Indiana. And not, not only do I like Indiana enough to cover this game, and the line has gone up to 12 when we started taping this show. But I think Indiana can win this game outright against a Wisconsin team that has played the most fraudulent schedule in the world. Their starting running back, Jonathan Taylor's banged up, and he's really the, the soul of that team. And Fumagalli, pretty good tight end. He's their leading receiver. I mean, what does that tell you? Hornybrook last week at Illinois, lowly Illinois, 10 of 19 for 135 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. Does that sound like the quarterback of an undefeated team going against a two-win team? Not to me. Ken, with the like Indiana and saying, hey, maybe sprinkle a little something on the dog. Brad. I lean with Indiana plus the points here. He mentioned the injury factors. You know, Indiana is also banged up here, and that's why it's not a like for me. Uh, But Wisconsin, dealing with their top running back, He's questionable for the game. Their best wide receiver is questionable. And I think there's a little bit of value. Indiana's better than the market's giving them credit for. Yes, they're 0-5 in Big Ten play, but I can look at all five games and say the final scoreboard was not representative of how that game was, and all five games would have been better as far as the box score in Indiana's favor. This was a team that was leading Ohio State middle of the third quarter in the opener. This was a team that was leading middle of the fourth quarter on the road against Michigan State, forced Michigan to go to overtime. Wisconsin really hasn't played anybody yet. I lean with the Hoosiers plus the points. All right. So a lean Indiana, like Indiana, Mr. Holt, a contrarian, the Vig. Who do you? Like? Yeah, I'm going to lean Wisconsin in this game. I think the loss of Ramsey's going to hurt him. What we've seen, and this happens a lot. We talk about it in the NFL, the teams that bench their starter, go to another guy, go back to their starter. That doesn't necessarily tend to work out. That's the case here. Not really the, necessarily a situation for Indiana. It might be due to injury, not because they're just we don't know Ramsey's out, out either. either. That's right. He's still questionable. We're taping on Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas. And so isn't the leading rusher for Wisconsin, who's one of the leading running backs in the country, not just for Wisconsin. Um, so both injuries are critical to this line, and the line will move either way if the, either of those two are announced in and out. Um, the last six meetings between these two games, two teams have gone over the total. So if you if you tell me that this game is going to be more high scoring, then I feel a little bit better about laying the points that I would in, in a lower scoring game. I get it. I'm just going to go ahead and lay it with whiskey. That's my lean. All right, guys, buckle up. If you listen to the music, it's crossfire time. And we got a two-on-one Andre the Giant style. Wake Forest, Notre Dame. Line we're using, Notre Dame at home. Favored by 13 and a half. And just like, well, just like it was written in a storybook, we've got both the batters against the bookmaker, Ken Thompson, Brad versus Matty Holt. Can you kick it off? 
All right, let's start it off. Wake Forest, very impressed the way that they played Louisville last week. And their defense, edge four, one of the best defensive ends in the country, already 14 and a half tackles for a loss. And this team comes at you. And Dave Clawson's doing a real nice job there building a program. But they lost Greg Dortch. And that's like the Niners back in the day losing Jerry Rice. I mean, this hurts big time on the offense because John Wolford, as good a quarterback as he is, he's going to be looking for that main guy, and he's just not there. Notre Dame, what will they do? They'll take task at hand. They've been playing a bunch of games, a bunch of big games in South Bend. Wimbush, Adams, they'll keep running it, running it, running it. And like the NC State game last week, it'll start out close, but it'll open up, and Notre Dame will end up winning this game by three touchdowns. Ken Thompson like Notre Dame. Brad Powers, you like Notre Dame. I do like Notre Dame uh, in this matchup. And I think uh, something I haven't read, which I, I can't believe is the defense corner last year for Wake Forest is Mike Elko, who's probably the best defense corner hire we've seen so far in college football this year. Notre Dame defense coordinator Mike Elko, who knows the player's strengths and weaknesses of the team he just coached for for the last three years. So I think it's a major factor, and I also agree with Ken. When you got a Wake Forest team that has very limited playmakers to begin with, here's one a, a wide receiver, a non-quarterback uh, position guy that's worth probably one to two points in line. And I'm not seeing it because they were so dominant last week against Louisville. Give me the Irish minus the points. Even in a flat spot, I think they, they covered the spread here. All right, Matty. Typically, the guy that has two against them would go first. But I don't like bookies. So I had you going last. No problem. <laughs> You're okay with that. Go. Look, I like the fact that uh, Wake Forest has a senior quarterback here. They started the year four and zero. They're five and three now, but could easily be seven and uh, be six and two or seven and one. They were up nineteen sixteen against Wake uh, Florida State with four minutes to go. Gave up ten points in the last four minutes, despite having the ball in a nineteen sixteen lead. Gave up ten points in that game. Lost by seven twenty six nineteen. Easily should have won that game if they could just run the clock out against Florida State. The Georgia Tech game. Uh, two weeks ago, 25-24, midway through the fourth quarter, down by just one point against the Yellow Jackets. Gave up two late scores, ended up looking like a bad loss for him there. And against Clemson, they covered that game as well. Fire back and beat Louisville last week, score 44 points against Louisville last week. This is a good football team with a good senior quarterback in John Wolford. They've been building this Wake Forest program up for a couple years. Finally got to the culmination here. Look, Notre Dame having to run the gauntlet four tough games in a row smash usc smash nc state and oh by the way who's on deck next week undefeated miami hurricanes this has to be the one soft spot at least for notre dame if you're ever going to let up a little this is the spot i'll take the 13 all right crossfire we're gonna let everyone have one rebuttal one rebuttal so don't repeat what you said but if something maddie said you disagree with or if you want to concede that point but say you still like Notre Dame, Ken, that's fine. Start with you. Okay, first off, you're bragging about losing to Florida State at home. I mean, come on. is that That's absolutely ridiculous right now. And then the Clemson game, very <laughs> deceiving final score. Clemson was up 28 nothing. Total control of that game was not a Wake Forest offense that even showed up. They got the backdoor cover very late in that game. Right now, when you're taking away your best offensive guy, and by far the best guy, this guy has 53 receptions, 722 yards, and nine touchdowns. There's nobody else that has more than two touchdowns on the team. You're in a lot of trouble. Notre Dame, like Brad said, even in a flat spot, should win this game by three, four touchdowns. Brad, one rebuttal. And here's the difference between Notre Dame, this year's Notre Dame team in the last 25 editions. I listened to Brian Kelly in a post-game press conference say, they don't even talk about winning this year with this group. They just talk about dominating the opponent, and that's exactly what they've done. Outside of the Georgia game, they've won all seven games and covered all seven games. 
by 20 points per game as far as a straight-up win goes. I just think it's the flattest spot Notre Dame can run into. How many times can 18- and 19-year-old kids get that fired up time after time after time? No, I, th- I mean, that's why I think dogs in general – are the better play. Good debate guy. I'm not sharp enough in college. It's got to be extreme for me to say who won. I'm going to say that was a good debate and leave it at that. Uh Oh, Oh, talk about buckle up pros versus the Joes. We've got Arizona. We've got USC right now. 89% of the cash on USC, 86% of the tickets on USC. And by the way, you can get these numbers yourself. Just go up to pregame.com, click the game center, click consensus, and you can see the splits on every game in real time. It comes feeding in like a stock market ticker. It's that cool. And and to me, it's the only place. This is just an objective fact. It's the only place on the Internet you can get the cash splits, not only in real time, even delayed, really. Okay, so USC got all of the public money. Arizona got all of the sharp, or not all of the sharp money, but the sharp side. And right now it's seven and a half, so USC favored. Now amongst our three, there's only one person that likes. So there's one opinion that really matters here. And as we said, USC is where the squares are. Brad, who do you got? I like USC in this matchup. Go, Brad, go. Yeah, it'll pay to be square as well when this one's all set. Pretty confident, huh? Yeah, I am. Because, (laughs) look, Arizona, great job, Khalil Tate. I think he's getting overplayed a a little bit from those sharp guys. Who who has he played defensively in these four games? Colorado, California, a terrible UCLA defense and an overrated Washington State defense. USC, a healthier USC defense that a lot of people didn't look into. They got back an All-American in Port Augustine last week and also a good defensive tackle in Fatu, I think is a, you know, a lot healthier. And I love what I saw. If USC was going to lay down and let the season get away from them, it would have started happening last week. What I saw was the opposite. I was against USC, and they kicked my teeth down my throat. I'll take that USC the rest of the season, and I'll lay the points here. Give me the Trojans. Fight on. Minus seven and a half USC going against the Sharps. Ken, you only lean this game. And here's why, RJ, again. You have to, to tell us who. It went to seven and a half. I leaned to USC, and I played USC at seven. And so you'll say, well, it's only a half point difference. But it's a key half point on a prime number of seven. So I played SC, but I don't want to give out to my clients seven and a half because if SC ends up winning by seven, I'm going to push. They're going to lose, so I won't do it. But, yes, SC is getting healthier. And what did I say last week? Why would I stay off Arizona State as hot as they were after going into Utah winning by 20? after winning the game before handily against Washington. Why did I stay off? I said, going up in class. Same exact thing here. Arizona goes up in class in the Pac-12 South, and they go on the road. Arizona State went up in class. They were at home. How did that work out? 48-17. SC pounded them, never looked back. So in this case, I respect Khalil Tate. I said he's Lamar Jackson of the West Coast, but SC will win this game by double digits. Okay, and it goes to show you, and we're going to have Matty Holt's opinion in a second, is it goes to show you we're taping Tuesday. Sometimes the sharps reverse themselves. Sometimes professionals go against sharps. I mean, this is art, not science. Maddie. 
I also lean USC here. I couldn't like it because I feel like USC is really pointed to their big revenge game versus Colorado next week from last year, the team that kept them out of the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, and I like the way Khalil Tate's playing, and I worry that UC up, USC's up 14 late and Khalil Tate just runs down the field, gets a backdoor touchdown on me. So I, I'm leaving this one alone. I'm going to slight lean toward USC, but look, they're playing great football. But Arizona's won four straight games, and motivation, no issue in this one. They're both tied in the standings in the Pac-12 title hunt. All right, guys, we're up in the stakes from here. Let's shuffle up. Up in the stakes. We've got three, three sharp money games. We've got a double like and three best bets. I mean, talk about a big seven here. Let's get straight to it. Ohio, uh oh, Ken, we're going to let you start, and you've got 60 seconds to talk about this game and nothing else. <laughs> you've taken up your Buckeyes time on the Penn State game, but we're letting you start right now. Ohio State, winner last week, favored by 18 at Iowa. And actually, you've got your total in this game. Yeah, I do. I, I like this game to go under 52 and a half. And I got to the dance a little late. It was 53, I believe. But, you know, here's the thing. At Kinnick Stadium, crazy stuff happens with Iowa football. Games that they shouldn't even be in at the end of the day. They're in the game and it's usually a low scoring game. We saw it earlier this year when they got out game by 300 yards against Penn State. Comes down to the last play of the game. Saw it last year with Michigan. Great Michigan offense going in there. What happens? It's a, a late field goal by Iowa. They end up winning. I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State. I don't care if Ohio State has any type of letdown. Buckeyes have too much offense, but I think 18 is just a lot of points to lay to the Cyclones at Kinnick Stadium. Look, I could see Ohio State winning by 50. I could see this game being a five, seven-point game. I think it's similar to the analogy that I had last week of Florida-Georgia. If Florida got off to a good start, I thought we would have had a game. Instead, Georgia got rolling, and they just blew them out. So I could see either scenario. That's why I played the total under. I think this game's going to go under the total. I think Ohio State probably wins somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, I don't know, 28 to 10. Very professional. Very professional. Ken Thompson. All right, Brad, this is a great teaching moment about how professional bettors don't bet teams, they bet numbers. Because initially you lean towards the Buckeyes, but now at 18 you lean... Yeah, I lean with Iowa here and make cross through not necessarily a key number, but a secondary number of 17. Well, 17's th- yeah, key. Yeah, I mean. Absolutely. And at 16 and a half, as we're prepping for the show, yeah, I thought the number should be 17. I lean with Ohio State. It's crossed right, not only at 17, it's right through 17 to 18. I lean with Iowa. I just think it's a little too many points to uh, lay against a relatively good defense that held Penn State, maybe not as far as moving the ball, but at least held them down on the scoreboard. And Ohio State could be a little lackadaisical. This isn't a night game as far as, you know, the emotions, the crowd being up there. It is an afternoon start time. So I think maybe Ohio State doesn't come out with all fires, uh, cylinders on fire here. So uh, lean with the Iowa here. All right, Matty Holt. Look, in the NFL, we rarely see spreads over 14, and, and thus it takes a lot of money or a lot of influence to move a number through 7, 10, 14, 17. But in college football, we're so used to these big spreads that sometimes as bookmakers, we tend to fly through these key numbers, 10, 14, 17, 20, 21, just because we're already so used to to uh, to seeing these big spreads. And then we were worried about a move, number moving six points or something and being on the wrong side. But with that being said, 17 is still a key number. It's still an important number here. Look at 16 and a half. I was on the fence too, which way to go at 18. There's no question for me. Seems like a little overreaction by the betting community. And I would have to take the 18. All right. Good stuff, guys. You know, I miscounted. We have two, two sharp money games. We had one that was earlier 
but it was in another bucket. So we've got this game, double like, three best bets left. And boy, this is a biggie. This isn't even on the biggest TV networks. This is what, FS1? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, What were you going to say? No, I just, I think it's part of the program. They want to get more viewers to FS1. So they put purposely put one big game a year on there to get more people to subscribe to FS1. You know, during the NCAA tournament, I'm still trying to find true TV. I, <laughs> I, I can't do that. Okay. We've got Okie State favored by three here with a little extra juice and the sharp money on Oklahoma. All right. So sharp money, Oklahoma, <laughs> sharp money, Oklahoma. Okay, Ken Thompson, leaner like. I got to get some Huey Lewis here, man, because I'm hip to be square. I'm taking Okie State. Just to be clear, Ken, you saying, oh, here comes Huey, doesn't make it any less getting hit with Huey. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. I mean, make your a, case, baby. I, uh, all right. Oklahoma State <laughs> is the team that I think has the best offense maybe in the country when they're clicking. And Mason Rudolph, look, I know the shoulder's a little bit banged up, but he'll get that ball to Washington, Aitman, McCleskey, Stoner, all these guys. Justice Hill's banged up as well, but J.D. King's an admirable guy to step in in the backfield. Look, Oklahoma, I like Mayfield a lot, but I just think they're missing something from their wideout. CeeDee Lamb's pretty good. Andrew's a great tight end, but they don't have the speed that they've had collectively on the outside. Running game decent. Anderson stepped up last week, and Sermon and Adams will help out as well. I just think Stillwater's going to be rocking, and I know it's the big brother mentality with Oklahoma. Look, we're going to pound you again, Okie State. I got a feeling Okie State's going to turn the tables. I took Oklahoma State. I laid the three points. I think it's a good, solid bet. Brad, you lean. Yeah, I lean. It's hip to be square for me. I lean with Oklahoma State. See, remember, if you lean, we don't give you who. It's only on the Oh, Okay, fair enough. Well, here's where I lean. Oklahoma State's, you know, watching these games over the years, this is probably the first time in at least five or six years where I think Oklahoma State's got the better defense here. I'm not a fan of what I've seen from Oklahoma defensively outside of the Ohio State game earlier this year. Oklahoma State has been putting up stops. And I think the other factor is a little bit misleading final. Even though they won and covered last week against West Virginia, they clearly outplayed the Mountaineers outside of a 50-second period where West Virginia scored two non-offensive touchdowns. That should have been at least a three-touchdown win. Slight value there. That's why I lean with Oklahoma State. All right, Maddie. So there's the Sharps and me on Oklahoma. There's Ken and Brad on Okie State. Who does the bookmaker have? Sharp as a knife. I'm going to ride the Sooners <laughs> here as well. Uh, Mac the knife. We might yeah. have to pull that out. Uh, Oklahoma State, 5-1 and one against the spread last six games in Stillwater. 9-3 and three against the spread last 12 overall against the Oklahoma State Cowboys here. Oklahoma already proven that they're road warriors this season going to Columbus and whipping the Buckeyes there. Look, this team's done it, proven it to me under first year without uh, Bob Stoops. I'm taking Oklahoma. Good stuff, guys. We're down to the final four, and it's kudos time for the listeners. We had a nice uptick last week. Uh, the feedback and, and the feedback about the depth of knowledge about how you think about the games. Um, they love Fezzik and, and the third person stepping in. And this is what I have been imploring you guys. Spread the word. Not only do you get a coupon, and we've upped it this week, but you're going to get more resources from pregame.com applied to the podcast. And that's why we're bringing in, it's going to be Maddie every third week and Fezzik to two, two and one typically is the plan. And we're bringing in that third expert. Cause quite frankly, I'm more of a traffic cop on the colleges where NFL, I contribute a decent amount. So we, that third expert, I think really fills 
things out, especially when it's either Fezzik or Maddie. It's from an execution side, either a bookmaker or a guy, a better who is all about the execution where Brad and Ken are those deep, deep handicappers. And to me, it's such, such a good combination. So thank you for sharing the word. Here's the coupon. The coupon is CFB dream 13. So C F B the word dream, the number one, the number three CFB dream 13. That's all caps. And all you do is pick anything between now and Saturday, any college football game, you put it in the cart and in your cart, you put in CFB dream 13, you get $13 off. And why is it 13? Cause last week it was 12 and you guys had us grow again. And how do you help us grow? Facebook, Twitter, email your friends. If you like this and they like college football, give them a try. If they don't like it, they're going to stop listening. They're going to say, who's that smart ass who's hosting? But those who love the smart asses, you're, you're going to keep listening. Right, Brent? Absolutely. <laughs> Brad, I yeah. haven't seen it. That was a big smile. He's like, yeah. hey, that's true. Yeah. It's the only reason I listen back to you. are the smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping you honest. It's not there a smart ass. And guys, and even go to iTunes and give us a rating. That Anything helps. We appreciate it. And because of the growth, CFB Dream 13. All right, guys. We got a double light coming up, then three best bets. It's South Carolina. It's Georgia. And not only do we have a double like, this is also a sharp game and it's South Carolina. Brad, you also like South Carolina. Yeah, I like South Carolina. You know, let's just say I love it. I took off the, the old rubber band on South Carolina. A couple so, times. so by the way, sorry to interrupt. South Carolina is plus 24 and a half at Georgia. Yeah, and reason being, how when you got a big spread here, how motivated is Georgia going to be to put it on uh, South Carolina here? They've been doing all season long, especially in SEC play, where they've outscored their opponents by 30 points per game. But a hidden factor here, you look at the two head coaches, Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart, longtime friends, teammates at Georgia 20-some years ago. I don't think Kirby Smart is willing to run it up on his good friend, Will Muschamp. So not hold on, hold all on. Right. Big favorite. I love when there's a reason not to have it run up. And, and going back 20, it's almost like a movie. You know how in the movies it's like, those two don't know each other. Then it's like, well, wait a minute. They spent three months together in Minnesota. And here we are. Good stuff, Brad. Yeah. And one other factor. I mean, South Carolina, look, and the box score doesn't look great, but this is the second year in a row. Somehow they find ways to win. They don't turn it over. They play consistent defense. They got a pretty good quarterback. 24 is just too, and a, too much delay here uh, for Georgia. That's why I like South Carolina plus the points. Second like Maddie. Look, I like South Carolina in this spot, too. I really like look-ahead spots this kind of year because these are 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids, and the the idea that they're not looking at these rankings, that they don't know what they need to happen to get into a national championship is just crazy to believe that they don't see this stuff. I think, look, at this is a South Carolina team that's won games they shouldn't all year on the road at NC State, and Georgia here, how can they not be looking ahead to Auburn next week I think South Carolina's offense is good enough that even if they were trailing by more than 24 late in the fourth, they could still backdoor it because their offense is good enough. I think there's only one way to lean, and it's South Carolina. Okay, speaking of only one way to lean, Ken says no. He leans Georgia. So, Ken, obviously they feel strongly. You're just on a lean. 
What's the one thing you think that they're overemphasizing? That George is that good. George, I mean, to oh, that they're overemphasizing that, uh, you know, the spot. And I understand so, it. And the, and the history of. And uh, that's why it's a lean for you. Exactly. I mean, and when I watch Georgia beat up a team that I have similar to South Carolina, and that's Mississippi State, and dominate them, that makes me think that this Georgia team, without even trying, may be just 30 points better than South Carolina because their offense is just that good. And I right now they're clicking on all cylinders. Where do you have Georgia? I, you don't, I know you don't do those exact power ratings, but how many teams do you think are clearly better than Georgia in the country? I mean, Ohio Bama. State and Bama. Ohio that's State it. and Bama, that's it. I mean, and I, I have Georgia and Ohio State right there. And you'd have right to have there. Penn State, right, because they're better in Ohio State. You know what? I, I, would, that, I would like to see those four <laughs> teams. I, listen, I'd like to see those four teams in a playoff. Yep. That would be it. a good playoff. And that's not bad because that is my top four well, teams. But in my imagine, how, imagine how oh, wow. upset people <laughs> would be with two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. <laughs> RJ, it's, cra- it's a crazy year, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff still to go. You could see two two-loss teams in this playoff. Uh, I'd be fascinating. I, I wouldn't mind that either. I, I want to encourage teams to play tough schedules. I agree with you. I don't want losses to be like like an albatross. Right? Obviously, losing is bad, but I'd much rather you you know split two really tough games than beat two cupcakes. Right? Who's done better? Yep. So, uh, last question on this game: Doesn't Georgia realize there's a decent chance they're going to lose a game? Right? I mean, obviously, Bama. Right? Yeah. Is don't they start worrying about style points now? I don't know because, and look, we're taping this uh, on Tuesday before the college football playoffs come out. They're going to be in the top two. And they yeah, but if they lose one. a game at some point, yeah. I don't think there's going to be two, two lost teams. I think there's going to be like one good one lost team left out. And you just got to, I mean, if it's Notre Dame, if it's Penn State, and again, I know these teams can lose, but I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, there's a lot of one-loss teams. To, to me, style points matter after you lose that one game. I mean, it, to me, it's just they're, they're going I, and I think business Kirby's, as usual. They're unbeaten. I think Kirby Smart has Georgia convinced that they're as good as any team in the country. All right, guys, it's time. Best bet. Are we forgetting how good South Carolina is this year? Six and two. They only have two losses, one of them by a touchdown. One was not on the road. The first game, by the way, was on a neutral field against NC State. Where did they play that? They played in Charlotte. Charlotte. All right. All right. So, Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a big difference. It's 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 actually right in the middle between Raleigh. You just went into Ken's wheelhouse. (laughs) Those kind of details. If the game's in Raleigh, that's the business. Plus, plus they got outgained by 258 yards in that game. Uh, They did, but they won. But they won. I understand. Outright. I understand. And that's coming into my lean towards Georgia. Yeah. You guys put your money on South Carolina, and it all looks good until it's 21 nothing yeah. in the second quarter. Nine, <laughs> eight, seven, <six. laughs> See, I, I held off on that, yeah. but he forced me to. All right, especially because I was going right into best bets. Everyone's like, yeah, best bet time. And then Maddie's like, hold on a second. <laughs> all right, best bet time. Peace of mind time. We've got Maddie Holt leading it off. Best bet. 
I'm going to go with Army, plus six and a half at Air Force. Look, Army's made a bowl game already for the second straight year, only the first time since 1984-1985 that Army will go to bowls in back-to-back seasons, and they've already committed officially to the Armed Forces Bowl. The only thing is left for this Army team to do this year, whip their military partner in Air Force here. And they go on the road. Army's won four straight games and off a bye. This is a big game for Army in this spot. You know, we're talking about a team that's played better football all year. Look at Army in this spot. Uh, won three in a row, but beat Nevada by three, 45-42. Had to rally from 27 nothing down to beat you a crappy UNLV 34-30 here. This is a team that's let up huge yards, huge points. They got beat 56-38 to to New Mexico. New Mexico wins a triple option. What does Army run? The triple option. I'll take the six and a half, six and a half with the Army Knights. I always love handicaps that are, are X's and O's because I think the market just does not account for it because let's be honest. And Matt, you know, a ton of professional batters more than me. Do you, how many professional batters do you know that really are like at a, they could work in a front office and, or, you know, let's say NFL level where they could be like assistant GM. Like to me, you would think guys like that would be professional batters, but I don't know if it's the taboo or whatever, but for me, most professional batters are not. In fact, I don't know if I know any that are true elite X's and O's guys. Uh, I do a few. And, and but but re- out of all the pros you know, the real let's pros. Let's talk about how, pros that are really making money. Yeah. So all the pros that are really making money are doing one of two things. They're doing elite granular granular analytics by themselves or they're hiring so it's people not to do infor- it for It's them. not public information. That's right. All right. And that's one. And what's number two? You said they're doing one of two things. Yeah. They're either hiring people to find that granular analytics form or they're doing it themselves. Okay. But analytics and X's and O's are two very different. In fact, analytics is agnostic to X's and O's. Now, pro football reference does a good job of creating some buckets of three, four, four, three and saying how teams do against certain like really broad buckets. But when I hear a pro talk about this tight end, when they are on third down against this cover too, I, those guys seem to win a lot too. They do. And, and it's more prevalent in college football, college basketball, and the NBA as far as matchups uh, in terms of X's and O's guys winning. The X's and O's guys tend to not do so well in the NFL because the NFL is so dictated by who wins the turnover battle every game, which is, uh, as we know, is hard to predict. But I'll tell you, the people that break down the X's and O, college football, college basketball, NBA, are some of the most successful in the world. I agree with that. They're hard to find, though. All right, we're going to talk about Maddie's Twitter, but I told him, I said, it's so much more entertaining if, like, someone that people know can give your Twitter. Like, for example... His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Like having a Stephen A. Smith give your Twitter. And Matt, every week he comes and goes, I'm trying to get someone. Like, are you just calling people going, hey, remember me? I met you at this convention. <laughs> I just keep forgetting until I see you every week and I see that glowing button and I go, oh, crap, I forgot to call somebody. <laughs> so what's your Twitter? It's at Matthew Holt VP, which I see, will have a celebrity announce, announcing what? voice for my Twitter by next week's NFL Dream Preview. Wow, he's yeah. he's making a commitment. He's making a commitment. If you get the the DB, that that that'll be strong. That'll be if it's not that, I'm gonna go real low volume. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, real quick. Any quick thoughts on Army Air Force with Maddie Best Bet on Army? I do. I mean, here's the thing. The one advantage for Air Force is they have played two teams that run the option, and they played Navy very well. 48-45, they lose in Annapolis. So if you only lose by three at Navy, 
you know, you got a chance to cover at home against Army. Army is a team that's won two games where they haven't even thrown or completed a pass. I shouldn't say thrown. They haven't completed a pass in those games. I like Davidson. I think he's one of the better running backs in the country for Army. But I can see a case for Air Force that has won three in a row. And you don't go into Fort Collins and beat Colorado State by 17 unless you're playing pretty good ball. You know, I love that Ken's contrarian because he look. I would say Ken looks at games differently than any pro that I've encountered. And to me, that's an advantage because sometimes we can hear it and say, ah, oh, you know, I don't agree with him. But if it's even one out of five, six, seven games that causes a pro that, that goes, that approaches it a different way to say, you know, that is important because when you eliminate a loser, it's more valuable than gaining a winner, right? You either gain one unit or you lose 1.1. As Maddie knows, the VIG is at 1.1 is dastardly. So, and, and, and again, you know what else I love? That we are so different than those old shows on USA Network <laughs> where like one, what Mike Warren would give his analysis and Kelso Sturgeon would go, wow, Mike, you are so right about that. I, you know, I wish I saw that, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, they never disagree. Well, here we hardly ever agree, which is a good sign because it's a sign that the line is usually right. And when they do agree, well, we've got something. Real quick, Brad, any thoughts on the Army game? Pass on side, like the under, that's a huge outlier number as far as the total in a service academy game being near 60. All right, next up, two best bets to go. Ken Thompson, you've got the Arizona State-Colorado game. I do. I'm taking Arizona State to bounce back after getting throttled in Tempe by USC. And as I said last week with Arizona State, the reason I stayed off them was they were going up in class against USC. Now they're going down in class against Colorado. Colorado's a team on the road that's really not been much of a hiccup for anybody. They played a nice game last week at home against Cal. That's great. They play their best ball at home. But I think they're going to struggle mightily in this game. I expect Arizona State to get off to a quick start and uh, to open things up. Up, Graham can ill afford to lose two games in a row at Tempe after he had things going with three with two straight victories over Washington and at Utah. Arizona State best bet from Ken. We mentioned his radio show five days a week here in Vegas, seven Pacific to nine Pacific on Kadon. You can follow Ken on Twitter at SportsX Radio. Brad, you sit in the whole two hours on Monday night recapping the weekend's action and looking ahead a little bit. Best bet, Arizona State. Any quick thoughts on Arizona State? Yeah, I lean with Arizona State here. Nice bounce back spot. Value off them getting blown out last week. All right. Finally, best bet time, Brad. We teased ahead. AP, AP had a big disagreement with Brad. So let's talk about the game, talk about the disagreement, and then we'll get the best bet handicap. And this is the last game. Virginia Tech, Miami of Florida, Tech on the road, favored by two and a half. Yeah, it's just not me disagreeing. Vegas and the the the, the entire market disagrees with, with Miami being, you know, the, the better team as far as far as the AP power ratings go. So, so I AP has Miami number nine. I have Miami number twenty three in the country. Therefore, Miami is vastly overrated. And the market here is interesting because the early early open or probably bet online was Miami of Florida favored by three and a half. Now, Virginia Tech by two and a half. So do you remember what you guys opened up at, Manny? I, I think we sent to our risk like Miami won. Yeah, so so this has been the the odds makers were more towards saying, hey, Miami is maybe not a top 10 team, but right there. And then the batter said, no, no, no. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with if you've been watching Miami the last four games, they've won all four. 
haven't covered a lot of them, and they've been very fortunate to win those games. And Fezzik, who you guys hear on this show sometimes, he is a staple on the NFL Dream Preview with Maddie, and that comes out Thursday morning, crack of dawn, and he'll be out this Thursday, crack of dawn. He's been talking on the Fox National Show about Miami being so overrated. So the market agrees, but still... You're laying the two and a half. I am laying it because I clearly have the better team. And look, Miami, Fest was on it early, so I'm going to give him credit. He said after the Georgia Tech and Florida State games, this Miami team's overrated. I'm like, well, they still beat two decent teams. It's the last two games where I really think Miami is the most overrated team in the country right now. You talk about a game against Syracuse where they get four turnovers in the first half and they still can't cover the spread. They're nip and tuck. And then last week against a decimated, the most banged up team in all of college football, North Carolina, you force four turnovers and you're nip and tuck at the end of the game with North Carolina and you're getting dominated at the line of scrimmage against Syracuse and North Carolina. You've gotten outrushed 250 yards. Well, guess what? Now you're playing a team that dominated you last year at the line of scrimmage in Virginia Tech. Miami off four straight close games. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech off a bye, off two blowout wins, rested. Better team laying less than a field goal here. Virginia Tech dominates Miami, but I'll take a three-point win as well. I mean, this is a good example. A lot of people will say, I can't play after a big line move. If you trust your numbers, it doesn't matter what the line was. What matters is, is there value now? Now, I'm always suspicious that the odds makers can be so wrong, but I, it doesn't really matter if you feel like, hey, this line should be four, it's two and a half, I'm batting it, and here we are, best bet. Ken and Maddie have leans on Miami. So let's do this. Just your number one lean on the, or your number one reason you don't like Virginia tech. We'll start with Ken. I can't get that game against Clemson out of my mind where they just got dominated. Final score was 31, 17. It was 31, three game. Wasn't even close and they're going on the road. I'm not convinced Josh Jackson is a guy that can win, but I'm not impressed with Miami either. That's why I just lean in the game. I don't like uh, really the game at all, but if you put a gun to my head, I'd take Miami. All right, Lee, Miami, Maddie, number one reason. Delaware, East Carolina, Old Dominion. Oh, and our big, huge win, West Virginia. This team hasn't <laughs> beaten anybody alert. yet. All we hear about how good of a coach Justin Fuentes is, how this program's coming around, the one tough team they played, Clemson, absolutely waxed this team. Yes, Miami has had to change their offense since Mark Walton went out. They're leading running back and one of the best in the country, but this offense is coming around, and this team plays great defense. All right, guys. Now, listen, we got a bonus coming up. We're doing a Friday game. UCLA, Utah, but it's not on this pod because we don't want this to go stale. Go to at RJ in Vegas and Friday morning, I'm tweeting out the link to the SoundCloud and you can follow us on SoundCloud too. And we talked about the NFL Dream Preview. You can get that also. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time, finally, for America's Lakers podcast. That's right, I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius, he's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. America's Lakers podcast exclusively 
at podcastone.com, the podcastone.com app, which I highly recommend. You can rate and review this podcast on all Apple products. And guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to bathe in the gossip and the gratuitous negativity that's been swallowing Los Angeles whole lately. Who did what? Who snitched? Who said what? How about truth? How about facts? How about statistics? How about rotations? What's Luke Walton thinking? Who's underperforming? Who's overachieving? Who's rewarded? Who's coming? Who's going? And what are we going to do with all that delightful, delicious cap space? America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul. Every Wednesday, podcast1.com. Hi there, my name is Susie Schuster. And I'm Rich Eisen. We're teaming up once again in the studio with our new podcast, Not Just Sports, with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen on Podcast One Sports. In case you're wondering what this show's about, sometimes we're not just sports. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? And that we actually like being in each other's we company. We do. Enough to work together I and think have so. three kids. That's why we haven't spent enough time together that we're sitting here at Podcast One. So we're sportscasters and we're parents, so we'll talk sports and maybe parental guidance will be suggested every now and then. I would hope so, because this is not an X-rated podcast. No, that's correct. This is a family-friendly podcast. It is exactly that. So we're just going to be hanging out, talking sports and other stuff. And I will try to educate you on all things in the NFL, because of course, behind every great man is a greater woman. That's correct. Join us every Wednesday exclusively on Podcast One. Subscribe today if you know is good for you on Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com or download it on the new Podcast One app.